Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Well, hey there, my friend. Welcome into Drummer Daily. We are locked and loaded, ready. This is episode number 147, and I am so happy that you're here I'm happy that I'm here. I'm sitting behind my drum kit as I do most of the time when I'm recording these podcasts and I am just uh, fit to be tied. I'm going to try to start every week coming up with a new weird phrase that describes how happy I am. Um, I said something like happy as a pickle or something last week, I think. I don't remember. Anyway, I'm sitting behind my drum kit. I've got a cup of coffee here in front of me um, and I am just as happy as can be that I'm here. So I've got a question today that comes in from Raphael. And he says, my question is the same as any other professional, I guess. How do you get your first paid gig as a drummer? And that is a great question. Um, And I will say this, um, I I always try to answer individual questions like this um, in a way that will help everyone. And so um, today's going to be no different. And I want to tell you just about my first paying gig as a drummer and, and what that, how that relates to, I think, all of us in, in our own pursuit of getting our first paid gig. If you're there, if you haven't got a, got a paid gig yet, gig yet and you want to, um, I want to kind of tell you about my first paid gig. So I was 14 years old. Um, I had just moved to Nashville um, the summer before that. So this probably was this, you know, I might have just turned 15. You know, I actually don't remember. I might have been, you know, you know, this is a tough one. I'm pretty sure I was 14. Um, But I just moved to Nashville. I was in high school um, and um, I was playing in the church band for my youth group. And uh, the guy who was kind of the leader there, um, he had his own little band and, uh, he got a gig. I lived in, uh, we lived in a suburb of Nashville called Hendersonville and, um, at the time. And, uh, he got a little gig, uh, playing some songs, some of his original songs at this, uh, the art, the local arts council. Um, so it was the Hendersonville arts council and the arts council was just some people, uh, in town, this little town that, uh, that all liked, appreciated the arts. And just, you know, I think they met up once uh, every month or so, and they'd have someone, uh, one, of the, one of the members of the Arts Council, um, you know, or someone local who's an artist come in and just 
share some of their art. So sometimes it was paintings, sometimes it was uh, poetry, sometimes it was music. It was all different things. Anyway, this uh, this this leader from my church, this uh, music leader from my church, um, he got asked to come play, uh, share his music with the arts council, and uh, it just so happened that um, I was the drummer that he liked the most and the one he knew at the time. And so he's like, hey, you want to come with me and play this Hendersonville Arts Council gig? I was like, sure. And so um, he's like, well, we don't have room for a whole drum kit. So we just got a little, you know, spot for a djembe. Um, and so that was, you know, that was all the rage back then in the late 90s. It was, it was, uh, it was playing djembe was the big cool thing to do. So I pack up my djembe and uh, we go do this gig and I sit in this old house that, you know, for about, 30 people, maybe, maybe, maybe a few less than that. And we played a few songs. And, um, at the end of that, he like gave me, I think he gave me some cash. He gave me like 20, 30 bucks cash. And I was like, Whoa, wait a minute. You mean I get paid for this? He's like, yeah. I was like, why, why are you paying me for this? I thought you just wanted me to come play. He's like, well, yeah, but he's like, I got paid for this. So I'm paying you. I was like, cool. I didn't realize that could happen. And, and, and I'm all about like milestones when it comes to like, you know, uh, big dreams or big things like that. So I'm like, you know, I'm definitely the guy, like if I ever opened a business, you know, like a store, I definitely would, you know, take the first dollar and put it in a frame, you know, and put it up on the wall, that kind of thing. Like I'm all about like marking, like this is the time when this thing happened. And so for me, even in the moment, I'm like, you know what? I just got paid to play the drums. I'm a professional drummer now. Um, that's it that, you know, and so from then on out, it actually was kind of cool because, when you when you are able to define yourself that way, you actually start kind of carrying yourself different. And I don't mean in a in a bad, negative, arrogant way. I just mean like there's a confidence you get when you're able to tell yourself and, and realistically believe that it's true that you know I'm a professional drummer. Um, it really does um, change how you act. Incidentally, I don't believe that every professional drummer that the the money thing necessarily has to be the main definition that you use. You can use a lot of different definitions. I think most professional drummers get paid something along the way. And it may not be money. It could just be in time. It could be trading for something else. Um, but, um, you know, the thing about that, that is this. is is uh, And this is kind of a side note to the question you asked. But, uh, but you can decide right now that you're a professional drummer if you want to. And you don't have to go announce it to everybody. <clears throat> but you can decide that, you know what? I'm a professional drummer. This is, this is serious to me. And start approaching how you play the drums as if you already are a paid professional. If you were getting paid to play the drums and you were getting, you know, you had a gig coming up next week or this or tomorrow night or a big tour, how would you prepare for that? Um, what would you be doing? Well, why aren't you doing those things now? Because you're not going to be ready for an opportunity that comes along if you're not already preparing for it now. Um, most opportunities don't come along and then you're like, oh, I have an opportunity. I need to go prepare for it. Um, the opportunities that I was able to seize on the most in my career were ones that I was already preparing for before I even knew they existed. So I want to encourage you to do the same thing. Start preparing for a paid gig even before you get it. So that's probably the first thing I would encourage you to do. Um, the other thing about getting a paid gig is this, and this is something that maybe is unique to the music industry, um, at least in like kind of like the local gig, which I, I, would, ex- I would expect that most people, your first paying gig is going to be like what I just described, uh, my first paying gig was, which is just someone, a friend of yours or someone that you know is going to go play some music and they're getting paid, so they're going to pay you. 
Um, and even nowadays, I have friends around town who they know I'm a professional, but they'll come to me sometimes and they'll say, hey, I got this thing. It's a little like house show or it's something small. And it, maybe it's for a charity event or something like that. And they're like, I'm not getting paid. And so um, would you come do it? And there's not really much money, so I can't really pay you, but I just wanted to ask. And I might say yes or might say no or whatever. So even now, I'm not always getting offered money to play. And I can choose whether I want to do it or not. But the thing about it is this, is that you are most likely not going to get paid by an artist who is not getting themselves paid. So that's going to rule out a lot of people right off the bat that you want to pursue. Now, I do also want to say this though. A lot of people who are playing for free right now, six months from now, will be getting paid to play. So this is going to be similar to uh, actually the previous episode, um, which by the way, this episode is number 147. I'm not sure if I actually mentioned that early on this podcast, but that's what episode this is. Um, But in episode 146, if you go to danielhadaway.com slash 146, you'll hear that one. Um, But I did talk a little bit about uh, working with other musicians who are also kind of at the same level you're at right now, which means maybe you're just getting started, something like that, and sticking with them until some of those are going to have their careers kind of escalate and move on to, to higher levels of more achievement, and, you know, more busier, getting paid more, things like that. Um, so sticking with some of those people as, they, as their careers escalate is a good way to, um, to kind of see your own career escalate. In, in the same way, you might actually be that person for some other people. Your career might start to escalate, and you can actually help some of your friends out. Um, that's kind of how things work in the music business. So um, I'm going to kind of give you the same advice here, which is uh, a lot of people around town right now, wherever you're at, that are, getting, that are not getting paid to play, uh, a lot of artists and, and singers, musicians, things like that, maybe they're not getting paid to play right now, but in the next six months, they probably will. And the way things kind of work in the local music scenes, most everyone that I've, that I've come in contact with, if they're getting paid, they're going to pay their musicians something. And so if you want to get your first paying gig, that would be the way to do it. The other thing is this. You can't be afraid to ask to get paid. Um, it, it's still tough for me because I have so many really good friends who hire me to play drums. It is really tough for me uh, socially to bring up the payment thing. Um, I've kind of gotten comfortable with it over the years because I realized that they don't care um, that I'm asking because they know it's part of it. And I don't, I shouldn't care because I know it's part of it. We all know it's part of, you know, the thing. And so don't be afraid to ask. Um, and so if someone calls you up and says, hey, can you play drums? Um, you know, maybe you can say, hey, what kind of budget do you have? So you don't just say, hey, you got to pay me something. But, you know, do you have any budget, uh, you know, for me to come out? You can even bring up the fact that, you know, you got to, um, you know, you got to pack up your drums. There's a lot of time outside of the gig involved with you packing up your drums, preparing maybe for the gig. Um, and honestly, there's another piece of it that a lot of people don't think about, which is almost think about the risk that you take, um, you know, with your gear when you take it out of your house. Um, not some people have insurance, things like that, but even that getting, you know, if you have, ins- if your, if your kick drum gets damaged and your insurance covers it, it might take a while to get that covered. So you have to think about those kinds of things as well. So, uh, for example, what you might say is this, um, let's say your kick drum, you know, you look at it, if you were to part it out, you know, your kick drum costs a thousand dollars and you know that, um, you know, over the next, uh, let's say over the next 20 gigs, 
you think there's a good chance taking it, taking it in and out of the house or wherever you're at, taking it to some club, tear up, set, down, uh, set up, tear down, things like that, that at some point in those next 20 gigs that something is going to damage, something is going to damage your kick drum to the point where maybe it's not valuable as it was, or is it, you couldn't resell it for as much as you could. Or maybe your insurance company would say, hey, we should just replace that kick drum. Um, you would basically, you're totaling your kick drum. So let's say over the next 20 gigs, uh, you think there's a good chance that's going to happen. And that kick drum is worth a thousand bucks. Well, that means that every gig, you know, statistically speaking, if you were to divide that, you know, a thousand bucks that that kick drum is worth across 20 gigs, that means that you're risking $50 of value basically every single time you play a gig for those next 20 gigs. So that's $50 that you should be getting paid just to bring your own gear, your own kick drum, for example. Now, if you're not bringing your own gear, maybe you don't charge that, but that's a way to kind of get you started on the path of what should I charge? There is a risk involved with your gear. Now, some things are more durable than others, and you know that maybe it's not that likely um, that your kick drum is going to get damaged. But I will tell you this. um, One of my first paying gigs actually was with the same artist that I mentioned earlier that I got my first gig with. Uh, One of my first paying gigs, we went to a coffee shop and played. This was real kind of rootsy, organic music. You know, think like, uh, you know, I don't know, like Counting Crows, you know, real just acoustic, organic-based music. Uh, And we show up at this coffee shop and uh, (laughs) this is a funny story. So the owner of the coffee shop, um, her son um, was what she described as a troubled youth. And he had his own band that was like, uh, kind of like machine core, heavy, like, or like industrial music. So think like Romstein or something like that, like just like heavy grinding music. And she always tried to let him play at the coffee shop as much as possible because she knew that if she was hanging out at her coffee shop, he wasn't, uh, getting into trouble or whatever. And so it just so happens we show up to play this gig and, uh, and, uh, her son's band is going to open for us. And his, uh, his, his band's performance involved, uh, fake like stage blood that got splattered all over the place. So you can just imagine like, uh, me with this, you know, with my friend here that I'm playing for, we're getting ready to play our little acoustic rock kind of mellow stuff. And then all of our friends who came to see us play at this coffee shop. And then you've got these guys up here just like slinging fake blood everywhere. They have their faces painted, you know, banging on oil drums. I'm not kidding. This all really happened. And fake blood splattered onto my drums. And whatever it was made of, I don't know what it was, it would not come out. So it completely ruined. It wasn't a ton of it, but it was a good bit um, on my drums. And so anyway, uh, uh, that stuff never came out. And so even in unexpected situations, you know, if you'd asked me before that, when I didn't know this, this band was going to be there, uh, hey, you're going to play at a coffee shop. Is there any risk to the safety of your gear or the, the, the value of your gear you're bringing? I'd be like, no, of course not. It's totally fine. Um, but you never know when an industrial metal band is going to open for your acoustic rock band. Um, and so you never can account for all the risks that might happen to your gear. So you have to be okay with asking all that to say, you have to be okay with asking to get paid. Um, if you feel like you're ready, you got to be okay with asking. That's really the key. So find people who are actually getting paid to play. Those are the people you want to actually get gigs from 
because they're not going to pay you if they're not getting paid probably. Um, and then don't be afraid to ask to get paid. And that's really the, the most important things I would, uh, pieces of advice I would give you as far as getting your first paid gig. Um, now there's a lot of things about marketing yourself, putting yourself out there, um, online, making sure you, you give yourself, you put yourself out there in an accurate way, in a way that's, uh, flattering to you as a player, things like that. But, um, as far as actually getting paid, those two things, find people who are actually getting paid to play and try to get gigs with them. And then also don't be afraid to ask, even if you don't think the person's getting paid, uh, you got to start establishing value for yourself in the marketplace and understand that your time is valuable. Your skills are valuable. And there's a reason why people should want to hire you as a drummer. All right. Thanks for the question, Raphael. That's a wonderful question. And hopefully that helps you and that helps um, everyone who's listening to this um, in figuring out how to charge people or why you should charge people for drumming, things like that. Um, But thanks again for joining me on Drummer Daily. I'm so glad you could join me. I know this episode went a little long, but I know we have fewer episodes coming out this week. So maybe this will make up for it a little bit. All right. Thanks for listening to me today. And I can't wait for you to join me again next time on Drummer Daily. Bye for now. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.